Hi, I'm Dr. Eric Westman, and this is the Keto Made Simple podcast. Let's begin. So tonight is, uh, I got some questions. Thank you for the questions. And then I'll be open for questions. Uh, and actually, one of the questions or one of the comments was to um, uh, have people tell their stories. So if you're interested in taking the the, um, the focus and telling your story so other people can learn about what you've done, you're welcome to do that later on. You get your your script all prepared. <laughs> uh, no, nothing that formal. Um, Deborah, hello from hot Mississippi. Yeah, I bet uh, it's kind of hot there. <laughs> it's hot here. Um, I guess that it's all up and down the East Coast. Um, uh, things going on at the Academy, of course, if you haven't heard the sugar and uh, uh, processed food addiction course, sugar addiction course will be opening up soon. So if you're interested, be sure to get on that waiting list. Uh, it's going to be, you know, opened and then closed, and that group will be able to take classes and learn from Dr. Vera Tarman. I learned a lot uh, and still am learning from her, and her book called Food Junkies is excellent. gives you practical advice on things to do to handle sugar addiction. And if you, you know, still wonder if you are a sugar addict or not, that book will help you you know, take questions and uh, help you figure out how to handle it. Um, I think just about everyone in our, in our generation grew up as sugar uh, addicts or, or definitely users, and some of us can control it, others of us can't. Um, in the pipeline for the ALA, uh, for the Academy, we have a really interesting and exciting course on uh, protein protein uh, written by Mike and Mary Dan Eads, who were authors of Protein Power, well, still are authors of that, and they were family medicine doctors who used the low-carb diet in their practice for about the same era as Dr. Atkins. And um, my team, the ADAPT team, went to film at the Eads home, and I had a sneak preview of some of the sessions and it, it's fantastic so if you're uh, interested in a deeper dive into the what protein does and also just kind of the the history and, and depth of knowledge that Mike and Mary Dan Eads has uh, it's a great course even he Mike even includes references to the research that uh, he and talks that he gave on mummies from Egypt and I remember I heard that talk the first time in South Africa. Um, turns out they found that these mummies had atherosclerosis, uh, the the Egyptian no, noble um, nobility, um, and um, the pictures on the walls show bread and grains. And so when people say atherosclerosis is a is a modern illness. Well, it's not really true. In cultures that were uh, uh, using a lot of grains and had sufficient food, uh, including Egypt, they actually had coronary uh, atherosclerosis. Now that, anyway, that's one of Mike, Mike Eads' talks through the years, and he brings that in 
to the protein course as well. Um, while uh, this summer, while uh, Glenn and Bjorn and Lisa were in Durham, we filmed the uh, KMS2 or the, the next version of the Keto Main Simple class. And uh, that is in process now. And I did a type 2 diabetes course earlier in the year and filmed, which means that's in process as well. Um, also trying to nail down Dr. Nadir Ali, who is a cardiologist who gives talks on cholesterol, to do a, a re um, uh, um, uh, well a, a redo on the cholesterol course from his standpoint as, and from the standpoint of a cardiologist. And we don't have him nailed down for time yet, but that would be filmed and processed next year. And that that's uh, you can all already see some of his videos online. Dr. Nadir, N-A-D-I-R, Ali, A-L-I. Um, oh, and you know, it's funny how uh, it, it's, I think, pretty easy to get my email. Just a little anecdote of uh, um, uh, a communications professor emailed me out of the blue and said, I started to learn about keto for my family and pretty clear you're a speaker on keto and and uh he said he'd he'd like to help me well you know not not so many words but he basically said uh you know i've helped so many different people have all these books and um uh he actually gave the the thing that i had kind of found out on my own and that is that the younger generation you know, my kids who are in their early 30s and people in their 20s, they don't learn in the same way. And so actually his point was in the same, from the same places. So it was, his point was to get more involved in telling stories. And uh, he watched my video from the Low Carb Cruise, which is, if you haven't found it, you can just, um, uh, <laughs> and I was saying um on purpose because at his website, he teaches you how to erase your ums in your speaking. And, and so I went back to the low-carb cruise talk, and, and I gave basically a, a talk from my phone. It was, you know, last minute. I didn't script it or anything. And I must have counted 50 ums in, in that talk. And so I hope you'll see over time that I'm not going to be saying um as much. And, and the, actually, the reason you don't want to do that is that people – if you pause, you can then think a little bit rather than, um, well, you know, and then it just keep going on like this. So anyway, uh, so I had unsolicited advice from this communications professor. And, and so I sent back to him the uh, the Instagram. Uh, so if you have someone who's in their 20s and 30s, uh, Raven Simone, who was the Disney star from That's So Raven and The Cosby Show, is a keto person. She follows a keto diet. And, and you know, is it the version we teach? Well, no, but that's okay. But so to communicate to someone of that age, you have to do it through their source of where they get information. Instagram is a big one. Uh, I suppose if there was a TikTok influencer talking about keto who's from that generation, I'd love to know about it. 
So if someone comes to me that are young, I'll uh, just tell the story that my kids now think I'm pretty cool because I emailed back and forth with Raven C. Mullen, the Disney star. And, you know, now, you know, now I'm somebody, of course, I've been doing this for 25 years. And well, you know how kids are. They, they either love you or they hate you or they, you know, may not be able to tell you. But uh, so anyway, Raven the Simone from That's So Raven talks about keto on her TV, you know, primetime or daytime TV shows that she's interviewed on. And and I do see kind of people's eyes light up, you know, oh, well, Dr. Westman, you're this old guy, you know, and oh, but Raven Simone does keto and they write it down. And um, so anyway, I, I was able to help with Raven with a few um, few questions that she had uh, uh, when we were at a meeting in uh, near LA. So anyway, that my my point being there that this communications professor said you really ought to also learn to um, speak and approach the younger generation in their sort of oral tradition of learning now, which is the social media, which is an interesting interesting point. I. I I think it's not going to be me doing that. It's going to be people of that age who are up to speed on it, young doctors who have, are taking up the mantle. Um, uh, um, so the 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 uh, way to get rid of arms, he says, in this little three-minute video at his website is to have someone, a friend uh, or friends, who you know you're chatting, you're out, you tell them that now every time I say um or I have this kind of connector, tell me, you know, so it's friendly and all that. So the way to erase ums when you're public speaking is to erase ums even when you're socially speaking. So then it becomes natural that you don't use the um in that circumstance. That's, you know, pretty interesting, quick sort of uh, uh, tip and um oh gosh welcome to fuller butts a behind the scenes plastic surgery podcast yes you heard that right join your co-hosts dr sam fuller and dr dan butts board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full access pass into the world of plastic surgery Combining their expertise and training, doctors Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty, and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field, we've got something for everyone. What I really wanted to get to tonight was... So- Classes are coming. Be sure to, to sign up. Um, um, so I'm sorry I have to put you through this, but you're a friendly audience. And I'm sure you probably thought, you know, he's got to stop saying, um, and by the end of the talk, so that's the low carb cruise talk. It, it's at, uh, um, Keto's, uh, at Keto Chow's website. And so I went back to watch it and, and, uh, the there were some interest. I, 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 there are some points that were. I thought I did pretty well. There, there are other parts where I thought that was really, really bad. But uh, 
telling the story of, of uh, uh, retrospective of 20 years. Uh, that's where I came up with the idea of teaching now that um, someone, someone comes to me and they wonder about ketosis. And I say, well, after two days of not eating, everybody goes into ketosis because we store fat on our bodies. So, you know, even the most staunchest anti-keto people will be happy that they can go into ketosis if they can't eat for two days because that's what's going to keep them alive. And and what sort of builder of a of a of a you know a phone it, it doesn't say twenty percent battery ten percent battery should I go into self destruct mode? No, it says should I go into safe mode? So ketosis, I'm thinking now that is really kind of the safe mode. It's the mode when there isn't a lot of energy around, and ketosis is not only fine; it's probably a healing kind of mode as well. When you think of cultures that have fasting in their their traditions, that sort of thing. So anyway, check out the um, low carb cruise talk. Uh, this it was just this um, this summer. Um, um, and I will stop saying um by the end of the talk. Okay, uh, or or I tell you, I tell you, every time I say um, raise your hand. Um, or you could do it with the the little reaction thing down at the bottom there. If I say um, oh, actually that way I'll know that you're still still listening. I haven't put you to sleep. Um, okay, then you can just lower. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so to the questions, thank you for sending some in, and there'll be time for questions. Let me just check that chat room. Um, um, good, good pickup. Okay, you're going to erase the ums from me. That, that, that This is so embarrassing. Kathy says, Hi, friends. I need a little guidance. Been doing great on my food choices and dropped 35 pounds. Yay. My lab showed my cholesterol went up from 200 to 245 since last year. Doctor is super supportive of my keto diet and said, keep going. Yay, big win for Texas doctors. Okay, so Kathy from Texas. Uh, she wants me to start a cholesterol supplement and not a statin. Thoughts. She wants to retest in three months to see if it helps. Well, so the cholesterol supplement, uh, and she put a picture of the supplement facts, like nutrition facts, is uh, basically niacin and choline, and then some other other sorts of things. Um, yet red yeast, rice, all those things that don't quite make it into the drug camp, but they're used to lower cholesterol levels. Well, Kathy, I, I'm to, uh, not sure what to advise because I can't know, when you say cholesterol and the blood cholesterol, I need to know the triglyceride and the HDL as well. So I wouldn't just treat total and an LDL, excuse me, cholesterol. That's the old paradigm. And if you remember back to the Keto Made Simple Masterclass, Module 4 on Paradigm Changes, and uh, 
Did you hear that? Gosh, I caught myself. The half a hand rate, half a hand. So the old paradigm looks at total and LDL cholesterol. Cholesterol's high. They treat you with a medicine. They, they all. happens on the arteries, like the neck, the carotid arteries can narrowing can cause strokes, coronary artery can cause heart attacks if you have narrowing there. Um, so cholesterol is not a disease. And I'm now at that point, and, and I get into great detail in the, the Cholesterol Made Simple Masterclass. We just had our second one uh, just last month. Uh, I get into the great detail and into the weeds of if you don't have atherosclerosis, you shouldn't have a doctor be treating you for a disease that you don't have. Let's think about that. If a doctor said, well, you know, you have this little thing in the blood that says you might have cancer, and we're going to give you chemotherapy without knowing you have cancer, you might have it. Uh, odds are, if you're an American, you you probably have it somewhere. So we'll give you chemotherapy for cancer without even getting a tissue or biopsy diagnosis. No way, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> cancer doctors the, in training, I'm, I'm trained as an internal medicine specialist. Cancer doctors are the ones who say, give me tissue. Give me a biopsy. You know, I need proof that you have the disease before I'm going to give you a toxic medicine, radiation, or, or surgery, or chemotherapy. So what's kind of crazy in the atherosclerosis, cardiology, family medicine, internal medicine, cholesterol treatment world, is they're giving you something to treat something that's related to, not necessarily predictive of, a disease that they don't even know you have or not. And you might say, well, my my family member, my parents had it. Well, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the disease, don't take a pill for a disease you might not have. That said, what do you say to a doctor? Well, so, Kathy, if you're taking the pill now, well, you, you have bought into now the idea that cholesterol is a disease and that if your doctor checks it again and it's lower, you're happy, she's happy. No, that's not, that's not the point. <laughs> our our current medical system is a bit misguided in terms of checking cholesterol and assuming that that means you have a disease. So um, I would like to know the triglyceride and HDL as well, just for for uh, uh no one's listening. Uh, all right, thanks. Um. Oh, um, there we go. You're awake. I'm now aware of whether I'm doing it or not, which is a step toward rehabilitation, awareness of the problem. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Question in the chat room here. Um, so what is the thought behind prescribing a high blood pressure medicine and a statin automatically when you are diabetic. Yeah. Uh, so the 
So, um, thank you. Let me explain. There are studies that just measured cholesterol and gave pills to lower cholesterol, and there were very small effects on lowering the occurrence of disease. So I'm not saying that you should never use a statin medicine. In fact, if you have had a stroke or heart disease or you have atherosclerotic narrowing already, the benefit from these medicines maybe might be good enough for you to decide to take one. And you can actually make that decision more in a more informed way at the Statin Decision Aid Tool website. It's from the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic Statin Decision Aid website. So what happened with, so diabetes is the most powerful predictor and cause of atherosclerosis and heart disease. It's more powerful than cholesterol more powerful than high blood pressure, diabetes. It's more powerful than, than overweight and obesity. Of course, treating obesity will fix all of these things. That's the obesity medicine that I'm a self-specialist in. So this, the uh, people, if you have diabetes and you go into the medication management of it, not the lifestyle reversal of it, which is what I do in my clinic, then the people who eat carbs who are given medicines in studies where they added the statin medicine, they had a small reduction in heart attacks. So again, that's buying into the idea that we're not going to reverse the diabetes. We're just going to manage it and not make any lifestyle change. So the good news is uh, if you reverse your diabetes, that means you don't have to be on the statin that was being treated for the diabetes because you no longer have diabetes. High blood pressure is independent on its own. Most people have reversal of their high blood pressure, though, with changing to a healthier lifestyle like this one and losing weight again uh, as well. So, Kathy, I'm afraid my two cents is don't treat the cholesterol even with this non-statin supplement, that's still buying into the whole cholesterol paradigm. Find out where your triglyceride and HDL are and come back on another Q&A or, or to the Facebook group, and we'll comment on it. Um, the time permitting, I'll, I'll go to the statin decision aid tool and show you that. Um, but you need those other numbers to make a more informed decision, like the um, HDL and the blood pressure. Um, Laura says, I'd love to hear Dr. Westman talk about the anti-aging effects of keto and ketosis. Uh, I watched your video on ketosis, but I didn't hear anything about how those who are long-term ketosis might not be able to get into deep ketosis as before. It's rare, but my it's been my life for a year and no one has answers. Well, uh, the Thank you for asking that question, Laura. Um, I'm afraid nobody really knows. That's why I didn't say it. We can do do a lot of theorizing and and you know it looks good in animal studies and rats who are put on a keto diet live longer, and those who have lower insulin levels live longer. Um, 
I said that word. So really nobody knows. Now there's a lot of uh, theory and a lot of hope that keeping the carbs away, which are aging because they create oxidation, oxidative stress, the low carb diet by itself will do a lot. Whether or not you're, you have a measurable level of ketones, and what's going to be you know kind of confusing to many of you coming to this for the first time, is that the ketone level really doesn't matter. I know, it's called a keto diet. Why doesn't the more ketones in the blood mean better, right? Having more of something is always better. No. Uh, we don't know that for sure. In fact, if you are adapted to a keto diet, you're a fat burner. Most of your energy is actually coming from fat burning. The fat you eat is, becomes the fat you burn. And ketones really are just a portion, a percentage, I don't know, 30% of, of what your body burns for fuel. Um, but we, we... Thank you. But we call it a keto diet because it, the keto is different, and you can't say it's a fat-burning diet because still a lot of people think fat's bad. So the keto diet, for example, when the Eskimos now called Inuit, don't say Eskimo, it's a derogatory term, the Inuit who lived in the circumpolar regions um, of Canada uh, when they were studied, now they didn't eat much uh, carbohydrate at all. Not much plant matter grows when it's freezing up there so far north. Um, they didn't have ketones in their urine when they were studied. So why would a population that you know really didn't have, they were following a keto diet by the foods, why didn't they have measurable ketones? Well, if you think about it, if ketones become one of your sources of energy, and it's a and you're living in an area where there's not, you know, an overabundance of foods, you're not going to be spilling it in the urine, and even in the blood over time, you're not you're going to be putting the amount in the in the in the bloodstream that you that you need, and you're not going to be having it be building up, so to speak. So. As we follow people over time, longer and longer, the, we try to explain this and say, don't worry so much about your ketone level. Uh, there are, I know, a lot of influencers out there who kind of naively uh, say otherwise. Uh, the uh, again, it gives you something to do, and if that's what you want to do, go ahead and measure it. <laughs> the, the GKI, the glucose ketone index, which you get if you get a keto mojo and you check glucose and the ketone has really never been studied in the context of a human diet, even though it's being talked about by some influencers. Uh, there are breath meters now that are coming out, and the breath meters have an advantage that you don't have to stick your finger, you don't have to pee in a cup and check your you know these bodily fluids. But even then, nobody really knows what happens to the ketone in the breath over time, which kind of segues into the next question. Janet says, what, are, what about the degree of ketosis? Are you, are you either in or out of ketosis? Can you be a little or a lot? As the piece suggests, would love to hear more about finding the ideal carb 
threshold. And again, uh, Janet, I'm, I'm sorry, nobody really knows. Uh, the ideal study to figure this out would be, you know, let's take people who are not eating carbs, let's randomize them to say you you can do large ketosis and do everything you can to stay at a ketone level of two in the blood, for example. Being in ketosis is somewhere between 0.5 millimole in the blood and two in the blood. Or let's say we're trying to get you into the deep purple on the urine strips or a high ketone by the, the breath. Again, each of these checks a different molecule. The interrelationships between the molecules are not well known. So the the ability to measure these things is a little bit ahead of the cart, is ahead of the horse, and, and how to interpret it. But if we randomize people to you be in high ketosis, you be in low ketosis, or don't even measure it at all, and look at outcomes over time, meaning weight loss, how you're feeling, um, chronic disease, uh, uh, how long you live. Uh, so we're talking about a, a study that's going to take a while. <laughs> Um, short of that, I think uh, monitoring is helpful at the beginning if you're not sure of what you're doing or if you would like that immediate feedback. Although, just follow the food list and you will be in ketosis 99% of the time unless you're on a medication, for example, that might thwart it like insulin or, or prednisone, a steroid. I even had someone recently who had a, a little pellet of a steroid put in the eye to treat a chronic eye inflammation problem, and that pellet raised the blood glucose. Steroids are so powerful on the glucose metabolism. So I don't know, uh, Janet, I, personally, I don't measure my ketones. I don't know what mine are. I uh, know a lot of people who measure, and and they they get, I don't know, they feel good about it. I guess I, I, it doesn't make me feel good. In fact, um, the young doctors in at Winston Salem down the road from me, there, uh, Matt and Laura, are following low carb diets now out of their residency in family medicine, and they're wearing continuous glucose monitors for years now just as as people who aren't eating carbs much. And they're learning a lot uh, they're about their own metabolism. And uh, I tried the continuous glucose monitor. I can, you can write, I wrote myself a prescription for a month. It was $100 for, for one month to for two of these two-week meters. Basically, a meter just made me test how much carb I could eat. You know, so I came in this month, the early month, my my blood sugars were 80, 90, you know, not over 100. So I thought, well, what about that chocolate croissant from the bakery downtown? I thought, you know, with friends when I was there as a kid in college, I liked. So, you know, I tested it out. And at the end of the month, my blood sugars were between 105 and 110 by using a meter. (laughs) So it just... Well, made me think I could eat more carbs. And well, what I learned is just stay to the list. <laughs> but if you want 
you can talk your doctor into prescribing one of these. Um, thank you. Uh, oh. <laughs> one of my patients brought in a glucose watch. They exist where there's no, there's no tube, there's no pricking of the finger. It measures the glucose through the skin. They're not approved in the U.S. because of a, re a re regulatory issue about it's not good enough at the extremes. But that doesn't stop a Chinese company from selling their product, which is not regulated by the U.S. authorities. So my patient got one, brought it in. It, it, so you can measure these things, but it, it's just like glucose, I don't know the perfect number. I'm afraid that's where we're going to learn about ketosis. We don't know the perfect number. And for those who say you need to be in a certain area, I, I think they're um, uh, saying it without much scientific evidence behind it. Um, but put it another way, I've had some people who were never in measurable ketosis, and they still lost weight. They never showed urine, pee strip, purple for for ketones in the urine, and yet they still lost weight. They didn't ever have a blood glucose, blood excuse me, blood ketone level above the one one to two range where you're supposed to be, and it still worked. So there's still a lot to know about individual variability about using ketone levels, and it's really a fat-burning diet. Gaines says, not for the whole talk, but I love inspirational stories from the clinic. Or I, I, I read this, Gaines, as from our group, <laughs> inspirational stories. Have you, you know, take five minutes, introduce yourself, and here's my story. Um, and... Uh, then what a oh does ah uh count is ah uh better than um no no what happens when you finally reach your goal and it seems criticism of keto has shifted from your lipids will kill you to sure you lose weight and feel better but nobody can stay on this plan long term <laughs> yeah so that the, the the criticism changes as well. Okay, I guess we can't get them on that one, so we'll change it to this. We'll get them on that one. We'll get them on that one. I was over at Ken Berry's conference in Dixon, Tennessee, and there were 300 people in the audience, and I said, you know, they say this is sustainable. I did that on the low-carb cruise as well. You can hear me interact with the audience a bit. So, uh, and, you know, it is sustainable. If you do it, and actually, the ability to stay on it has become so much easier with uh, you know people not looking at you funny and and people are tolerating this or even some relatively interesting foods that the food industry is making. Not all of them are are really truly suitable for a keto diet, but um, well, um, the keto diet. Long term, so Andrew Carb Confusion is the book that we recommend for what do you do when you reach your goal? Do you want to go to phase two? Are you going to become a, 
a marathoner and, and a biker, then you go to phase three. Basically, the spoiler spoiler alert is that you add more carbs, but they come from healthy sources. You know, and I choose to do maintenance and more of a every now and then I just have some carbs, and then I don't for a long time. You know, so you'll know when you can, and then because I've done this for over twenty years, it doesn't throw me off like it would have if I was in my first year or two of doing it. And that's why we kind of we want a support group like this to help you, especially as you get started, until you can be so sure-footed that even you know when holidays come and you get off track, you can get right back on after the holidays, or eventually you're substituting, swapping out low-carb things for the carby things around the holidays. Um, yeah. I'm getting better. Progress, not perfection. <laughs> inspirational story so gosh just recently I'm told by uh, I'm told from the HIPAA standpoint to, with identifiers and all that you know I can't say something that would allow you to identify someone you know so recently I saw a young man, a 23-year-old, who weighs 440 pounds. Can you imagine? This is pretty common in Durham, North Carolina, where I work. So he, a uh, really nice guy, not, not well-educated. I mean, in eighth grade, he didn't make it through uh, high school, didn't, doesn't even have his GED. But he came back recently losing 10 pounds a month. And he was down 50 pounds in five months. And he was like skipping inside the door. I mean, he never lost weight. And now, you know, he shops at Walmart, gets hamburgers and, and chicken and sparkling water. And, and it's not expensive. And, 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 you know, it, it, um, three months into it, so he's down 30 pounds. His brother essentially has his first either schizophrenic or bipolar outbreak and beats him up and breaks his knee. So he comes into me in crutches, you know, this now he's 390 pounds, but, and he's still eating chicken and hamburger and happy and feels great. And so anyway, he, despite all of these, these odds against him, uh, that, that was really pretty inspirational. Uh, the other recent story is someone who, um, no, someone who, I can't stop on who, can I? I recently saw someone, she was in a wheelchair years ago, like eight years ago. And she has, such interesting, terrible orthopedic injuries. No doctor would touch her. And she's obese. She is very intelligent as a personal chef. It finally works out how to get this done. Comes back. Weighing someone in a wheelchair has its own issues at a clinic that's not set up to weigh people in a wheelchair. But we figure out how to do it. And, and so now... 
COVID hits, I and I don't see her for a while. And, you know, I don't have the staff to reach out to to say, how are you doing? You know, come back in for your dental cleaning. I wish I had that level of, of uh, surveillance of people to remind people to come back like dentists do. <laughs> it's like the hour before the appointment. Are you on your way? Yeah. So she came in walking. No wheelchair, no, no, what usually is a wheelchair and it's a wheelchair walker and, and then a cane and then walking. What had happened in the meantime is that she'd lost so much weight that someone, a different surgeon, she had to shop around, did her hip and knee. It was, again, kind of a complicated orthopedic thing. So she was no longer in pain and she got out of that wheelchair and she's walking. Now, if that's not, you know, inspirational, and and the food was it was a keto diet that allowed her to lose the weight. Today I'm seeing more and more people coming in on one of these injectables, and it's as if the Ozempic, we go the Saxenda. It's as if there was no weight loss before because everyone wants this new thing. Well, careful because they're pretty strong in some people, and also they give weight loss via nausea so that it gives weight loss a bad name. People are going to think you have to be nauseated to lose weight because the shots make you nauseated for a few days or maybe even for that whole week after you take it. But uh, don't forget, there are a lot of ways to do this. And the low-carb method is, I think, best because you don't have to purchase any of these other things. And so now, yes, if someone twists my arm, and they're the only doctor, I'm the only doctor they have, I'll figure out a way to get the medicine. Although I, I'm offloading people who really want to be on those drugs to a doctor in my area who has a dozen people every day coming in on these injectables. Uh, it uh, is just, it's time consuming to get the drug. And now some pharmacies are out. So if if you were just relying on that medicine for weight loss, you're, you're, that's it. You can't get any more in some uh, areas because it's so popular. So, uh, but um, turning, oh, thank you, Rena. Turning that around, uh, other inspiring stories, uh, the, the untreatable folks. And as I counsel other doctors who are doing this in their other practices, I say, take the patients that nobody else wants. They're the difficult ones. They're on so many medicines. They they tried every sort of problem, especially those with diabetes. Eventually, they're going to get on dialysis. And that costs a lot of money for the health system. So the inspiring uh, stories that, uh, that I like are either, you know, people who you wouldn't think they'd, be, they'd do it, but they do. I, I really can't predict or the, the multiple medical problems that improve that uh, hello, medical problems that improve, it's really pretty amazing. I think I need five new things to say. It's amazing. Instead of, um, uh, you know, or did anyone want to take the lead and just take a few minutes and Give your inspiring story tonight. 
If so, please raise your hand. I know several of you have already like we've used you to help promote the classes and all. That's okay. The people might not have met you yet. Um, hope met you yet. Any other uh, other? Uh, oh wait, the chat room. Hang on. Uh, let's see. Stems are linked to the development of dementia. Well, yeah. They cause 25% increase in development of diabetes. Oh, well, yeah. They cause muscle damage to a family member, which lasts for a long time without stop, even after stopping them. They're not without side effects. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. The medical world thinks that statins are blemishless, right? And they're, when you, if you go to the Mayo Clinic Statin Decision Aid tool website, they actually do list all of those side effects uh, that go along with statins, but most doctors don't emphasize those. Terry says, I piggybacked on the comment regarding taking a supplement to reduce my cholesterol. I went along with my doctor's recommendation to take cholesterol. My triglycerides are 65 and HDL is 67. So from the new paradigm point of view, metabolic syndrome, meaning high triglyceride, low HDL, high abdominal circumference, high blood pressure, but not necessarily on a medicine for blood pressure, high blood sugar, but not necessarily on a medicine for blood sugar, your triglyceride and HDL are perfect. There's no need for anything. So if your triglyceride HDL ratio is one or or lower, you're golden from the blood standpoint looking at metabolic syndrome. Janet says, I wore a CGM, so the continuous glucose monitor, and it seemed my BG blood glucose was fine at 20 grams per meal. A total, I assume, total none that. But I don't know if I was in ketosis or should have been. Uh, well, so 20 grams per meal would be 60 grams per day. And the, so the blood glucose and the ketones are going to be too related, but not quite the same. So, Jen, yes, 60 total a day. Yeah, so if your blood sugar goes up and insulin comes out to lower the blood glucose, you're, you're even at 60 grams a day, uh, your blood glucose might be flat or pretty close. And, and, or I'm not sure what BG was fine means, you know, between 80 and 100 is perfect. So, I mean, let's assume your blood sugar was between 80 and 100 at 20 grams per meal. So that meant that you absorbed some glucose, the insulin went up and kept the blood glucose in that range. What you're not seeing is whether you have ketones or not. And most people will be in ketosis under 20 grams per one, you know, at total per day, not per meal, but total. And as you go up on the carbs per day, uh, a lower percentage of people are in ketosis. The group at, uh, in Indiana, the Verda Health study used 30 total grams per day, 20 to 30, and, and they had great results for diabetes reversal. So if you're going up to 30, 40, 50, 60, probably... 20% of people will be in ketosis, 
no one has done a large study in a clinical population to look at that. What what has happened in the past is doctors like Dr. Atkins will say, find your threshold, your own threshold, and see and be right about there. And that was really kind of a clinical decision, not based on hard science that you're going to live longer or the diet's going to be better. It, it's just was what the best advice they could give. So, so even though the blood glucose is fine, you might not be in ketosis. But again, ketosis is not the be-all, end-all. It's not the, the goal. Other things like how you feel, weight, um, uh, hands, please. Uh, so the insulin release, it kept my blood glucose lower. Is it an undesirable thing? Well, it's that glucose times insulin that creates this concept called insulin resistance. So the higher the glucose and insulin multiplied together, the more the risk. So yeah, we think that the rise of insulin after a meal is not a good thing. Back in the day, or even today in medical school, people are medical students are taught that it's normal to have a rise of glucose after a meal because it's normal to eat carbs, right? And so it's normal to have the insulin rise after the meal and, and to keep the blood glucose down. But normal doesn't mean optimal. And, and normal doesn't mean it's going to be the best thing. It's just what people see. Normally, most people in Japan are short. So when, when a, a six foot five American goes to Tokyo, they're abnormal. They're out. I mean, it's, they're not pathologically, you know, they're not sick. They're just not normal. So normal is typically defined as what's typically seen. So yeah, we don't want a huge insulin rise after a meal. Insulin is the fattening hormone. So when you get insulin down with a diet like this one, with lifestyle like this one, you're going to be losing weight because your insulin levels come down. And you can lower insulin by lots of other dietary methods. This one is particularly tasty, and there's a lot of research behind it. Uh, Michael says, six months on the food list, down 50 pounds, fantastic. Still have prediabetes, taking metformin, just can't get rid of prediabetes. Is there any reason to take metformin? It just seems to make much, it doesn't seem to make much difference after I stopped taking it before. Uh, well, mm, is well a better connector? Yeah. Makes me, it sounds like I'm thinking about something. Well, let me see. Hey, that's a good one. Well, let me see. Uh, look, let me see. Michael. If you want to give this information, you can. You don't have to. What's your weight? No, is uh, well, if you're watching the chat, he's deservedly making fun of me. I, this is good. Uh, 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 well, let me see. And so, at a weight of two hundred twenty-five, unless you were seven feet tall, your BMI is going to be probably thirty something. 
So stay tuned, keep losing the weight, and the blood glucoses will come down. Metformin is kind of a toss-up. If, if you have side effects like nausea, diarrhea, stop the metformin. It's not really going to be doing much. And so do you know how to calculate your BMI? With a, um, just with a handheld calculator, 703 is the, the conversion factor. So it's 225 divided by 61 divided by 61 times 703. So BMI is 24.3. So I said 30. No, well, that was way off. Uh, well, let me see. Another so my triangulation on weight loss goal, or when do you know you're at your goal? Nobody really knows. So the things that I use are the BMI chart, which 25 being sort of the loosely defined, uh, even doctors will say there's an issue. 25 to me is, might be a good start as a BMI. The body fat percent on a bioimpedance machine or a DEXA will give you a fat percentage. That And so the BMI falls down if you're muscly. Anyhow, someone who is muscle-bound will have a BMI that says you're obese when they're not obese. Obese is excessive fat accumulation. So the, the third thing I use is the best weight of your life. And that's an interesting thing to talk to people about. I actually have a form where in the clinic, I ask people to write down their highest weight of their life and their lowest weight in their life. It's typical that people don't remember back to their 18-year-old weight. The best weight of their life they think of as, well, what they were in their 20s and 30s. And so I, I like to eke out no, no, what did you weigh when you were 18? As kind of the, the you're, you're after puberty, you're accounting for the, the individual variability from your, your family and all. So if you have more weight to lose from 225, Michael, to a number below that, uh, BMI of 21 or 22, the best weight of your life, then stay tuned. The, the blood glucose will still come down I think you're midway in this process, and I think drop the metformin if it's costly or or if it causes side effects like nausea or diarrhea. So hang in there, and then you know let us know. Um, gosh, hang in there. Well, let me see, and you're going to do great. <laughs> I don't know if I've gotten better. Jeez, I think I need to be. You're, I think I need to be with friends who poke me in the side every time I say, "Um, maybe that that would be better." This is not quite the same sort of feedback that I might need to make that sort of change. But I think that's a pretty good one, right? But I think that we've answered most questions and. Uh, Sorry for freezing in the middle there. Don't know why. Uh, don't know why. But let me see. Yeah, I, I still have fun in the clinic. And although it's, it gets harder and harder to come back after three-day 
weekend. <laughs> that, that's also so beastly hot, but it still is great fun to see uh, the light bulb go off. For example, um, <clears throat> light bulb go off, light bulb go off. Recently, a scientist came in, you know, chemistry side. I mean, you know, people kind of joke about medical care. It's art and science. It's not just a science, but there is science that guides us. It took me, I think, five or ten minutes. I, I took this angle. I took the same. It was, the you know, you have this fat fire in your, your body where we, we, we store fat. And after two days, the fire just kind of spontaneously combusts if you if you don't eat anything. And then it, it spontaneously combusts if you don't eat carbs for two days. And then I did the phone thing, you know, about going into self-destruct mode. No, it says go into safe mode. And so when humans are not eating, they go into safe mode that, and, and, you know, even the anti-keto people, they're going to be happy. They can go into ketosis after two days when they can't eat anything. And, and you know, who would have thought that in 2023, in a Western country, you might have to stay for 30 days in the basement of a building because your country's being invaded, you know? So ketosis is there for a reason, and it's a back... No. So Dr. Atkins, actually, I, I remember back to the first slide he showed me, he said that, Ketones are the backup fuel system. I don't think so. I think now that maybe we should really be not eating many carbs and mostly being running on mostly running on fat and ketones. So the scientist looked at me and she kind of looked up and said, Wow, that makes sense. <laughs> so framing it in a different way telling a narrative that, you know, actually, people are, oh, ketosis is bad for you. No, ketosis is good for you. I don't know, but it, uh, maybe, maybe that should be my TED Talk. I'm, I joke about my TED Talk one day will be this, that. The other. The problem is I have too many people to try to teach. I, I try to give the material to see how I can help people understand what's going on. But the, the other thing that helped her was the five grams of glucose in the entire bloodstream. And I'll, I'll write out milligrams per deciliter and do the factor conversions, milligrams per grams, liters per deciliters, five liters in the blood. That means you have five grams of glucose in the entire bloodstream. So she was wondering why a banana would raise her blood glucose. I was just calmly explained, there's 30 grams in a banana. There are only five grams in the blood. Of course, your blood glucose is going to go up because you're dumping in six times the amount of glucose that's in there. And she looked at me and go, oh. <laughs> then I explained, it's okay. Endocrine professors don't know this. I had a friend, I gave it a talk at Duke in the endo grand rounds. We have grand rounds, which is sort of the lecture where all the faculty come to. And I gave this five gram calculation. And one of my friends afterwards came up and said, you know, Eric, I didn't know that. They, they don't teach us that. They, 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 
teach us that you know diabetes is a problem of the pancreas and and not enough insulin. And and I reminded her that the insulin is already high in type two diabetes. And this has been known for a long time. If you want to know or learn about that history, just learned that Gary Taubes' book on diabetes is now available for pre-order. And I don't know if you understand how books and pre-orders work, but it helps if you get a lot of pre-orders on the book. Uh, I ordered mine uh, today. And Gary Taubes, T-A-U-B-E-S, very influential investigative journalist. I got to read the pre, well, one of his drafts of this book. And I hope helped make it a little clearer. Uh, and the history of this is just, it's, it's kind of scandalous. Treatment of diabetes. It's, uh, I'm afraid that the drug company influence just sort of squelched any sort of lifestyle change that clearly was effective but just didn't get dominance. So, uh, so, well, so, yes. <laughs> Gary Taubes, I think it's called Diabetes. Oh, gosh. Is anyone able, to anyone go to Amazon to search that? Uh, just Gary Taubes, Diabetes, and it came up. It's not, they don't even have the, the the title cover page done yet it's just kind of the the words of it there um so and then the mayo clinic i mentioned Mayo clinic statin decision aid uh oh let's see sorry that's the website to personalize your risk and then to see how much the statin treatment would help based on clinical trials that have been done, then Gary Taub's Rethinking Diabetes Science. Thanks. So if there was a book Let's say in a month or two, maybe every quarter. I don't know. Don't know the frequency. What books should we read and discuss in the membership? Yeah, every about every six months, I, I bring this up, and no one really is. I think everyone's like, "Okay, Eric, what do you want to do?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know. What do you want to do?" So, I think you know, if if there was one. If everyone's still worried, how how do we get into this mess? How, how, Pam says Ben Bickman insulin. Yeah, well, it, it's pretty geeky. So that you know, again, uh, Gary Tao's books would be pretty geeky. Although the case for keto is the story of Sue Wolver coming to my office in Durham and learning how to use the keto diet. And then he interviews over a hundred doctors who use it, but. Uh, yeah, Ben. So I think that's a great one. Ben is a young scientist who is pretty convinced now that insulin resistance is is the root cause of most chronic medical conditions. And he's not an MD, but he's um, really bright and able to do lab science to test things out. Uh, ah, 
Labs has to test things out. But if the other books come to mind, uh, let us know. I think that's a great one to start with. If or let's say keep that as a, I'll ask to send out a. Um, hey, does anyone want to read this book? We can discuss it on a live like this. Or it could be a subset of the meeting and whatever, you know, I'm not sure. But hope everyone is doing well. Yes, Nadir Lee, thank you for writing that down. Yeah, Dixie writes uh, Big Fat Surprise, which would be the how did we get into this mess story? If, you know, as I was thinking, uh, as I was thinking, well, as I was thinking about a course that I, I would teach doctors or coaches, I think I would make them read The Big Fat Surprise or Gary Taub's Good with Calories, Bad Calories, but even that one's a little bit of a hard read. That first half, is you know truly genius, but the big fat surprise is a more readable text on how we got into this the weak science of nutritional epidemiology. Debbie says lies my doctor told me by Ken Berry. Well, you know I I like Ken and you know he, he's not in the academia academic world, uh, and as I joke, he's able to say things that I can only think, and I can't say yet. You know, uh, but so, but that would be an interesting one to to look at because it, it is pretty readable. Uh, oh, um, gosh, progress not perfect. How we got fat is more readable than good calories. Backyard, absolutely. Three seconds. The power of thinking twice changed my life. Hmm. Okay. Well. That might be a good book that addresses the mental and emotional aspect of any change, right? So, Raina, would that be answering Janet's question? Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I'm open to that, too. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Well, let me look into that. The... Yeah. Three seconds, the power of thinking twice. Maybe that's what I need to stop saying. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining on the live and watching on the replay. Hope everyone's doing well. And let us know how we can help you, serve you best, better. Until the next time, take care. I didn't say um at the end. Thank you for being so supportive. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. And check out AdapterLifeAcademy.com.